Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I am your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth, or you can follow me by reading my articles on reviewing the brew on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod or search for us in YouTube by searching the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. Joining me as always is my cheesehead loving buddy Trevor. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy podcast. He is now doing some writing for all Wisconsin sports, so I'll let him talk about that. But you can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. So how are you today over there? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Tyler. Um, yes, I I did start writing for Fansided as well. Um, a different site for Fansided uh, than Tyler writes for. Um I started writing at Dairyland Express, so as Tyler stated, it is their all-Wisconsin sports site. So it has the Badgers, Bucks, Brewers, and the Packers. Uh, I imagine that most of my articles are going to be related to the Packers, but I actually, my first article I wrote for them was about the Bucks and about the draft that just occurred, and make sure you check that out if you don't know it all about the articles. It's a pretty short read. But gets you to know the players at least a little bit, their their play styles, what they're good at, what they're not good at. Spoiler alert, they're pretty damn good at shooting. <laughs> That's fair. And we are going to talk about pitchers who are really good at pitching today. Look at that transition. That was pretty wow, good. Wow, <laughs> wow. So as promised, I told you we're going to talk about Corbin Burns. So let's get our Corbin Burns hype train going because... His 2020 was absolutely incredible, and it's worth talking about even now, what, a month, month and a half after the Brewers got eliminated from the postseason? So here we are. We're going to dive a little bit into it here. So the first thing I wanted to bring up was just how different his 2020 season was from years previous. Obviously, he had a lot of success in 2018. As mainly a reliever, he was tried as a starter in 2019, just got absolutely rocked, lots of home run issues, and then came out this year in 2020, granted a short season, and was down near the ERA champion. Fell just one out short of qualifying for that. He wouldn't have won it anyway. But biggest change, as I was telling Trevor before we started recording, is he just stopped throwing pitches that were straight. He adds the cutter in that was manufactured from the lab, Instead of throwing a four-seamer, he does that sinker as well, so a little bit of diving action there. 
and he combines it with the slider, which had been perfect. And then he just had like a really good sprinkle in of the changeup and curveball. Changeup at 11%, curveball at 9%. He was not throwing either one of those pitches nearly as much in 2019 or 2018. So to me, that all signifies stuff that as a starter you want. And I was, I was really impressed with the stuff we saw from him this year. It definitely is a big change. You know, you look back to 2018, it was almost 60% four-seamer, almost 35% on the slider, and then curve at just under seven, and then sinker cutter, very, very few and far between for those two pitches. And then it was a lot of the same for 2019, except he did increase his sinker and brought in that change up a little bit in 2019. And then it just like, like you mentioned, Tyler, it just completely flipped. That four-seamer was now thrown 2.5% of the time um, in 2020, which is important, right? You mentioned the not throwing a straight pitch, and that's going to be harder for hitters to hit. And then you throw in a cutter and a sinker, which if you look at the miles per hour for those pitches, they're relatively similar, um, in 2020, his sinker was 95 miles an hour, cutter 93 on average, just over 93 miles an hour. Um, so not a huge difference there in velocity, but the movement obviously is going to be the big part of it there. Um, so two similar pitches in terms of speed, but completely different action on them, which can definitely keep hitters off balance. Then you throw in 12% sliders, almost 13% sliders, 11% changeup. 9% of the curveball, and that's going to allow them to keep off balance even more. And technically, you can still add in that four seam to kind of surprise hitters from time to time with that pitch that doesn't move at all. You're expecting a cutter or a sinker, and all of a sudden he blows a four seamer by you. It's just he has a lot of pitches at his disposal, you know, six of them. He doesn't throw one of them a lot, or he, at least he didn't in 2020. And I think. We were talking before we got on of that's probably the way to go, right? Um, you know, with his stuff, you got to throw the better stuff. His fastball is good, but as Tyler mentioned, it's, it's a straight pitch. This is why Josh Hader has thrown more sliders. You know, hitters eventually will figure out a fastball. Um, so you got to throw those other pitches in. So I was kind of wondering, you know, I don't know if it was just me thinking back and having nostalgia, not that it's really nostalgia because it was two years ago, but I honestly thought Corbin Burns was better in 2018 than his stats indicate. Um, but he was actually significantly better if you look at the stats, just like the generic stats for 2020. His ERA dropped half or 0.5, which his FIP in 2020 was actually just barely over two and his ERA was 2.11. In 2018, it was kind of the opposite. His FIP was a lot higher than his ERA. So he pitched a hell of a lot better here in 2020. And that is something that's really exciting. Uh, the, the strikeout numbers went up in 2019. Obviously, as Tyler mentioned, that home run issue came up as well as he was allowing three, just over three home runs per nine innings pitch. So that's very, very rough. In 2018, he was at 0.9. This year, he's at 0.3. So definitely pitching a lot better in that regard. But his strikeout percentage went up even more 
in 2020. So just great stuff. I love the trends, and I do think that his repertoire and how he uses his pitches and the amount that he's using his pitches is very, very important for his continued success in the MLB. Yeah, and like for 2020 was the most amount of innings he pitched in a year because while he was great in 2018, he only pitched 38 innings, at least in the regular season that year. So again, building upon that success even better this year, granted the shortened season, um, it was still kind of the largest sample size really that we had seen. Obviously, if he went to sucked in 2019, <laughs> that might have been a little different. But yeah, you mentioned the pitch repertoire and if we like rewind to like when the season was just beginning, I think this might even been like before COVID there was like all this stuff where Corbin Burns was coming out and he's like, yeah, I went to the lab and what I learned is my fastball is actually really good. I'm going to keep using it. And we're all just like, what? (laughs) Like your location kind of sucked. But what he did was you mentioned he just used the sinker and cutter, which are just variations of a fastball um, rather than just the straight pitch, as we mentioned. And um, even though, like, com- you know, like in terms of break on all his pitches, Corbin Burns does not have outstanding movement except for with his cutter. I find this hilarious. If you're looking at percent break against average against pitchers who throw a similar velocity cutter, which is not many to begin with for Corbin Burns, his break's 119% more. And that's at 94 to 95 miles an hour. <laughs> So that's just insane. And you really got to see it, like him kind of especially work on the command as the season went along. Like we use the term effectively wild, like in his first, I don't know, four or five starts. Like, yeah, he was doing really good striking batters out, but the walk rates were a little bit higher. But then as the season went around, he kind of was hitting the edges more, commanding that cutter more. So when you talk about continued success, his ability to throw that for a strike is going to be a big one to watch for in 2021. I'm glad you brought up the actual movement on his pitches. It really isn't that much, um, which is kind of crazy to think about because when you think of Corbin Burns, you think of some electric stuff. And that main reason is that cutter. And that cutter, I don't remember, Was did he come back late in 2019 after the pitching lab and we saw that pitch like once or twice in 2019? That moment, I was like, we have a chance to get 2018 Corbin Burns back because that pitch, when we first saw it, I was absolutely dumbfounded by it. 96 mile an hour, he threw it two or three times in that outing and just nasty, nasty movement. And if you're thinking this year he threw it a little bit slower, 93 typically on average, but that's still very fast, um, especially for the amount of movement he's getting. He's getting over four inches of horizontal movement on a 93 mile an hour pitch. And when you think 93 miles an hour, you know, that's what faster than Brent Suter pitches. And with that type of movement, that is just absolutely ridiculous so that's a really really exciting thing and back in 2019 actually if you look back on his movement on that horizontal movement that was just over six inches Um, so he actually lost two inches of break than what he did in 2019 but probably because 2019 he threw it eight times so a pretty small sample size but that percentage uh, percent break over average, Tyler, 
262%. So that's just <laughs> wild. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's insane. That uh, how do they even calculate that? Like someone's got to like double, triple, quadruple check the math on that one <laughs> to make sure before they post that to baseball savant. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I mentioned like it felt like his control, at least I thought his control got better as the season went along this year in 2020. But one area that I really want him to hone in on next year is just first pitch strike percentage. This year it was 52%, and the MLB average is 60. So while you got great stuff, man, Corbin, if you want to keep working late in the games and be more efficient, get ahead on that first pitch. So that that's going to be good. I think with this stuff, he's going to continue to see lots of swings and misses, and generate a lot of a lot of chasing from batters. So if he can just dial it in, be efficient, and and be on top of his game, I think that's going to go a long ways towards his progression in 2021. And then the other thing I'm kind of looking for, and there isn't really like a a stat or anything to back this up, but I feel like composure you can maybe question a little bit with Corbin Burns. And I say that mainly for only two reasons. One, you can kind of go to... The, his last start of the year, right? He was struggling. He knew he needed to get one more out to qualify for the ERA title. His back was just bugging the shit out of him. He stayed in there. He was stubborn. Next year in 2021, Corbin Burns, you can't do that. If you're having a little back issue in May, we can't lose you for six to eight weeks. <laughs> you got to miss a turn in the rotation. He's got to be smart enough to do that. And then the second part was it felt like every time a runner got on base, Corbin Burns threw over there like 20 times and not like lobbed it over there. He chucked it over there. Um, don't have a stat on that, but I felt like it was whenever someone got on, he just got pissed. He's like, no, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to throw you out. Nobody's allowed on my base paths, which is a good mentality to have. But like at the same time, you got to keep your cool. So I don't know if there's any science behind that. It's just something I kind of observed. Yeah. Yeah. And I get, and I think a lot of the times and, I think with a lot of good pitchers, typically they do have that kind of mentality of they get pissed when they fuck up. And, you know, that's understandable. Their athletes are very competitive and, and they're very good at what they do. So they're not happy when they don't win. So, like, I understand that. And that's something that, you know, you have to be able to compose yourself and you have to be able to just go get the next guy. You know, you throw over because it's a fast guy, things like that. And, and just trying to keep them honest, keep them close. But to be losing your composure after those situations, I think, is big. Um, and limiting, I think, the sh- really short starts is going to be something I want to monitor with Corbin Burns. You know, if he does get it in a pinch early, can can he get to five innings, six innings, even if he struggles through the first two or whatever, whatever the case is? I want to see him work through that type of stuff with limited damage against him. And you mentioned first pitch strike is a way to do that. And I definitely agree. Getting that first pitch, getting ahead of counts is going to make it a lot easier. One thing that I do think that he did better on in 2020 um, is he's not leaving the ball down the middle of the plate. You mentioned the walks at least. Yes, he was walking uh, batters a little bit more, especially early on. uh, But he, he wasn't leaving them down the middle for them to crush, which is important. Obviously, you don't want 
uh, pitchers walking a bunch of batters, but he was doing a very good job. If you look at Baseball Savant's meatball percentage, um, in 2018 was actually his worst at 8.2. 2019, 6.1. In 2020, he was just over 5% at 5.3. And I think the important part of this is also what the pitchers are doing or what the hitters are doing with that. In 2019, they swung at the meatballs over 90% of the time, which probably is because he was throwing a lot of fastballs. And then when he missed with his fastballs, he's going middle-middle, and it's very easy for hitters to pick up on that and, and swing and try to get good contact. Now you throw in those pitches with horizontal movement, and maybe it's because he started it on the inside of the plate and it goes out to the um, middle part of the plate, and it's considered a meatball, but they don't swing at it because you know it starts at the corner of the plate, and they weren't expecting that pitch to move to the middle of the plate, things like that. So that did decrease, again, from over 90% to 74% on meatball swing percentage. So I do think definitely getting that first pitch strike and controlling within the zone, and if you're going to continue to pitch the way he is, I think that will be something that will be fine with him because, you know, that movement, especially on that cutter, is so elite and it's going to be tough for, for hitters to even pick up on that, even if he does miss occasionally with that inside the zone. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you mentioned, you know, kind of being able to get to five when you get into trouble. So I look back at his starts here from this year. He had 12 starts. I'm going to throw out the first two starts here because pitchers were still building their arms up and whatnot. So we'll call it 10 starts only Twice, oh, three times, sorry, did he fail to go five innings. One of them was that four and two-thirds outing where he still struck out 10 against the Cardinals. <laughs> one was the last start of the year, and then there was another one early on in August against the Cubs. So he wasn't really challenged a whole lot because he didn't have to face a ton of adversity this year. So I, I do think that is important to keep in mind as we look ahead to to 2021, especially for a young pitcher. Um, he's got to be able to work through those. Yeah, and I want to mention one more thing on Corbin Burns before we move ahead. And this is something I was just looking through Baseball Savant, um, and now that Tyler has pointed this out to me, that this is a really easy site to use and figure out what it means and all that kind of stuff, use it because it's it has some awesome information on it. And they do have good descriptions at the bottom of the page of what everything means. So check it out because I do think it's a very useful tool. Um, but I was just looking at Corbin Burns' strikeout percentage. 2018, 23%, 2019, 29%, 2020, 36.7%. That's top 4% in the league. You want to know what's nuts? The Brewers have top 4%. They have top 1% in Devin Williams with 53%. And then they also have top 2% Josh Hader, 39.7%. That is wild that, you know, the top five pitchers in terms of strikeout percentage originate in Milwaukee, pitch for our Milwaukee Brewers. And, and that's just awesome. I absolutely love that type of electric pitching that we have on our roster right now. Um, and I, I'm just super happy that we have these guys on the roster because it is fun to watch pitching when they're that dominant. Absolutely. I mean, how did Matt Carroll phrase that on our Josh Hader podcast? 
the Brewers are turning out pitchers like elves do toys on the North Pole. <laughs> that, I, that just makes me laugh every time. I still think about that. So, shout out to Matt there. Give him a follow. <laughs> yeah, and and Brandon Woodruff isn't in like the top ten percent or anything, but he's no slouch either at thirty one point one percent for his K percentage. So just the amount of electric pitchers on our roster is really really awesome and really fun and. We got some up-and-comers that could be in that really electric, electric range as well. Yep. This next guy we're going to talk about had a K percentage of 29.6, so pretty good for his first year, and that is Drew Rasmussen. So he is going in our off-season of goods category here, despite when you open up Baseball Reference, it says 5.87 ERA, and you're probably like, the hell what's this guy smoking but i do think this is uh, really deceiving because it gave up seven earned runs in his last two outings before those last two games he had a 1.98 era his expected era this season was 3.49 drew rasmussen is good that five point whatever era is just complete bullshit he's gonna be great next year mark my words (laughs) yeah it is it's kind of crazy you take out three outings for him uh, his second outing this year against the Pirates, he gave up two earned runs, three hits. In that one, walked a batter, didn't have any strikeouts. And then those last two, like you mentioned, of four earned runs and three earned runs, you take those out and he's got like under a 1.5. I don't know exactly. But the fact that, like Tyler mentioned, he's under a two before those last two outings here in 2020 and obviously, I think it's the same thing that I talked about with Corbin Burns. He's got to control. He can't have the blow up starts. He can't get in those situations. And if he does, he's got to be able to pitch out of them. That's going to be the thing that I want to watch from Drew Rasmussen. When he does get in in some of those spots, how does he respond? Is he able to get out of those situations a little bit better than he did Again, mainly it was three games. He did give up some some runs in some other games, but and actually he gave up one run in one other game this year. So yes, he was very very good if you take out those three games. So that's definitely something that I'm going to be monitoring with Drew Rasmussen is if he gets in these situations where they start hitting him a little bit, can he come back and figure out how? to get out of those situations and get off the field and get your offense up to bat to try to start getting you a lead. You can pitch a little bit more comfortable, all those types of things. Yeah, I mean, we literally had a podcast titled towards the end of the year, Gauging Your Trust Level in Drew Rasmussen <laughs> because of his his struggles at the end of the year, which is a shame because he was building his way up into the later innings mm-hmm. um, as a reliever for the Brewers in 2020. So... I guess, you know, obviously it's kind of up to up to the debate. Like, is he going to be a starter or is he going to be a reliever next year? I don't know. Nobody's announced anything. But I do want to focus on a few things with his pitches that maybe might help kind of sway you one way or another. So obviously he started a lot of games in the minors, didn't start any games this year, which is perfectly fine. He was good out of the bullpen. But when you look at his pitch tracking here, he has a fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup. Four pitches, you're like, great, he's a starter, you know? Uh, I'm not so sure, especially when you break it up into, like, 
the types of pitches he threw against righties and lefties. There is a clear discrepancy in his comfort level in the pitches that he throws depending on what hand of batter he's facing. The four-seamer against right-handed batters, he threw it 85 times. Slider, 35 pitches. Curveball, 15. Changeup, zero. Okay, so you're like fastball slider. I kind of like that mix. But when you go to lefties, he threw his four-seamer 121 times, 18 sliders, 16 curveballs, 12 change-ups. That's a lot of fastballs and does not signify trust, for me anyway, in your off-speed pitches when you're going against lefties. So I think that's one major concern that might prevent him from being a starter. Yeah, and I don't know that much about pitching and, like, to gauge the the pitcher and how they're reacting to their pitches and all and all of those types of things. Clearly, there's something that whether it's the Brewers or he doesn't like throwing some of those other pitches, mainly the slider, more frequently um, against those left-handed batters. To me, this was something that I just saw the overall numbers for this. You know, four seamer, sixty-eight percent of the time. Slider, 17.5, curve, 10.3, change up 4% of the time. And I saw that 68.2% for the fastball, and I thought, 2019 Corbin Burns. You're throwing, you're throwing the straight pitch too much. And I get it. He, he's a little bit more electric. You know, his average this year, and he threw a lot of them, um, like we mentioned, you know, 68% of his pitches were fastball or were the, was that four seam fastball. And he's thrown it at 97.6%. I think Tyler, you tweeted something out that that was fifth highest average velocity in the MLB this year. So obviously it's a good pitch. And I think when we were talking about prospects in the off season, I think his fastball is scouted at a 70, I believe and it was the best fastball in the, in the system. So it's a very good pitch. But to me, you still need something to offset that. And I think against righties, it, it makes a lot of sense. What he's doing is throwing a little bit more of the sliders, but you still need to be able to do that with both of them. And, and you need to be able to offset that four-seamer. Like I would, if he drops that four-seamer 10%, and whether that's all of them tick up a little bit or, you know, one pitch he feels the most comfortable with, let's say the slider, he increases that up, you know, 8 9%. The other ones tick up just a little bit. I just feel like he needs a little bit more diversity with his amount of times he's throwing his pitches to keep hitters off balance. Because, again, we've, we've mentioned it with Josh Hader. We just talked about it with Corbin Burns. When they, when they utilize some of their other pitches, Josh Hader has a good slider. Corbin Burns has that cutter, has a good sinker as well. Like, you have to use some of those other pitches and complement them with the four-seam fastball. And that's what I think Drew Rasmussen needs to do. He needs to be closer to Josh Hader. And in terms of pitch, changing up your pitches and things like that. But the thing for Drew is he has extra pitches. He has more that he can go to, which is awesome. And hopefully he starts, he can work on it over the off season and start feeling a little bit more comfortable throwing those pitches. Yeah. I mean, his comfort level in the other pitches and then just kind of what the Brewers role obviously will play a factor in that. Like you think of heavy 
force or heavy fastball pitchers like Freddie Peralta is also in our organization, but he complements that curveball a ton as well, which is great for keeping hitters off balance. What is Drew Rasmussen's second pitch going to be? Is it the slider? Is it the curve? I, I don't really know. Again, it kind of might depend on his role, but you were able to see a big difference depending on the, what handed batter he was facing. Obviously, we'd all like him to be, hey, just develop a cutter like Corbin Burns and throw that to lefties. That'd be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Just throw just throw a Devin Williams changeup. Come on. Yeah. It's not that hard. You guys are teammates, right? Everybody should just pick right up on it. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. So, yeah, he, he's got the, the velo for now with the fastball. So does he go with a different variation of it next year? I don't know. I mean, if it was working for him this year, maybe he sticks with it. But, uh, again, it depends on the role, I think, as well, and what they view for him going forward. But either way, like we mentioned, he was effective at striking batters out this year. I mean, as a rookie, just under 30%. You're going up against some really good veterans in a in a tough NL Central and AL Central because that's all you played this year. So, um, all in all, I thought his rookie season was really good success, and I'm excited to see where he's going to go from here. Yeah, I I'm still think he definitely needs to get a second pitch that he's more comfortable with. I mentioned the Josh Hader thing, and I want to bring up the stats of Josh Hader 2019. 83% of the time he was throwing that four-seamer, just 15.5 the slider, and very rarely the sinker at 1.5%, change up at 0.1%. But then you look, the big drop, and he didn't throw that sinker or changeup at all in 2020, but he goes from 15.5% with the slider to 32.3%. Just that change, and, and we saw a big tick in, or an, a big improvement in his exit velocity, and I think a lot of that, had, you know, the home run issues was a big thing in 2019. His exit velocity goes from 90.4 to 85 which goes in 2019 that was bottom nine percent 2020 it's top eight percent that's a pretty big jump um just so you know the exit velocity for drew rasmussen this year was at 86.8 um so pretty good numbers there i i just think with what we saw in a few outings if they're good fastball hitters, they can kind of catch on to him. So I just want to feel a little bit more comfortable and see him use those other pitches a little bit. And he, unlike Corbin Burns, kind of uses break a little bit differently than Corbin. Corbin, mainly with that cutter, he that's a very good pitch horizontally. His other pitches weren't great. But horizontally, Drew Rasmussen has pretty bad movement. All of his percent break versus average are negative. So he doesn't have a lot of horizontal movement in comparison to the rest of the league. But the big thing is his vertical movement. The pitch is moving down mostly, right? It, the four-seamer is 14% above average. Slider, 20% above average. And the curveball is 5% above average. And he has that very good velocity on it as well. So those are important factors, and and that's why I think, you know, the stuff's good. I have a lot of faith that he's going to come back, and we're going to see a lot more of middle-of-the-year Drew Rasmussen from 2020 rather than the beginning and end, um, and I'm super, super excited about that. And 
he's a guy that, unlike Corbin Burns, does a pretty good job of getting out in front of hitters, and that's going to make it a lot easier for him to hopefully feel a little bit more comfortable in his pitches. You know, you get up 0-2, you feel confident that you can now throw any of your pitches as long as you're hitting your spots. You know, maybe maybe that slider is going to become his out pitch, or maybe that curveball is going to be his 0-2 pitch in the dirt and, and get people swinging on that. You know, there's a bunch of different things you can do if you're getting ahead in counts, and he was doing that last year. 64.8% first pitch strike percentage, again, league average, about 606 So very, very good for Drew Rasmussen in that regard, and there's a lot of arrows pointing up for me for Drew Rasmussen, and I'm super excited to see what he can do. Again, the big thing is I would just like to see that repertoire percentages change just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as a former first-round pick by the Rays, who then went through some MRI scandals and Tommy John surgery, the Brewers then later drafted in the sixth round, there, there was obviously high expectations that this guy would climb the minor leagues quickly. And obviously, with everything going on this year, we got to see him in the bigs. So this was obviously a really good way for him to develop at the major league level this year. So all these things we're talking about, I'm sure he's aware of it. And the the pitching coaches are going to work with him. And and we're going to see something cool and special out of him next year as well, I hope, anyway. But I think that is going to do it for us here today. We'll be back next week. We're going to do a tender deadline preview for the uh, tender deadline is Wednesday, December 2nd. So we'll go through all the players who could potentially be tendered or non-tender, give our thoughts on those. And then, of course, afterwards, the week after, we'll have some reactions to it and how that shapes this Brewers roster uh, as we look towards the 2021 season. But until next time, see you later, Brewer fans. Trustin Stearns.